welcome to the latest edition of the HSM podcast. My name is Mark Sennett. I'm the CEO of Western Business Media, which is the publisher of Health and Safety Matters. We're delighted this podcast is once again sponsored by the Health and Safety event, which takes place on the 27th to 29th of April 2021 at the NEC in Birmingham. If you register to attend the event, you of course get access to all the other co-located shows, which is includes the security event, the health and safety event, the fire safety event, the facilities event, main tech, and for the first time, the emergency services show. So if you want to find out more information about the health and safety event or to register to attend for free, and more than 15,000 people have already done so, you can visit www.healthandsafetyevent.com. So as you know, we always start off this podcast with the latest news in the sector. But if you can't wait a fortnight to hear me go through the key news stories, you can, of course, go to the Health and Safety Matters website which is hsmsearch.com, and there we've got a plethora of content that you can go through. We have all the latest products, news, prosecutions, and you can sign up to our twice-a-week e-newsletter so you get that news sent straight to your inbox. Or if you've got a bit more time on your hands, I'd encourage you to go to our webinars tab right at the top where you can actually get CPD points for listening back to our webinars. So it's well worth doing that. So this week I want to start off with more news, as you will expect, covering COVID-19. We can't escape it. And one of the stories that caught my eye was there's going to be more support for school staff. School staff in Scotland will be offered new support as part of a £1.5 million funding package to help manage additional pressures as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Bernardo Scotland, a mental health charity place to be, will offer new mental health support for staff with the intention this will be available after the October break. Education Scotland and the General Teaching Council for Scotland will also offer new professional learning opportunities for post-probation teachers and develop a new coaching and mentoring offer for teachers who most need it. The funding package also includes a continuation of the Scottish Government's commitment in partnership with the Hunter Foundation to the values-based leadership programmes delivered by Social Enterprise and Charity Columbia 1400. The package support for school staff has been developed in partnership with organisations represented on the Educational Recovery Group. So Educational Secretary John Sweeney said, Supporting the health and well-being of teachers and other staff is of paramount importance. This is true before COVID-19, but it's of crucial importance to school staff support our children and young people to recover from the pandemic. The additional package of measures will complement the excellent practice that's already in place to support well-being of staff in schools across Scotland. Kevin Muir, who's the Chief Executive of the General Teaching Council for Scotland, said the GTC Scotland is pleased to deliver this important support to hardworking teachers in collaboration with our partners in education. GTC Scotland has invested heavily in supporting the mental health and well-being of education professionals, and we look forward to continuing to do so. So, yeah, more funding being made available in Scotland to support school staff. I think those of us that are parents know just how hard it has been to not have our children at school. You know, in, in my situation, you know, I have twin eight-year-olds who are turning nine in the next couple of weeks, um, and their mother counted as a key worker, so we had a bit more support than others at the start when we were allowed to get the kids to school, but then that quickly changed. And I know just how hard it is to try and have children running around in conference calls, doing podcasts like this, getting the HSM website, together let alone running a business so for all of us it has been very very challenging to have our children around it's been lovely having my kids around but it's been hard and in this situation where I link it back to schools yes I am relieved to have my children back at school it's important for their education and really important for their mental health I've certainly seen a difference in my children and and friends children as well that 
I don't think all of us necessarily appreciate how hard this has been on kids. This is a completely foreign environment for all of us, but kids just can't understand it as much as we can. And it, it's been challenging. So, of course, the reason I'm bringing that up is getting staff who are helping get schools running, whether it be teachers or any other school staff, giving them any support they need, because I appreciate there will be teachers out there and school support staff that will be concerned about their personal help over this COVID-19 pandemic because they actually have to go to work. They can't social distance as much as other workplaces can. And I know infections in children are you know, drastically low in comparison to adults, but it's still a very worrying time. So any support that being given should be welcomed for their mental health and their well-being. So I'd, I'd certainly applaud the measures that have come in from Bernardo Scotland and, and everybody else that's been involved. So, and I'd, I would echo the sentiments done by the Education Secretary, John Swinney, on that. So now I want to talk about another campaign uh, that's come out. And this was Driving for Work is a new theme of a campaign. So Project Edward, which is Every Day Without a Road Death, has been launched. And it's all part of Road Safety Awareness Week in 2020. And the theme this year centres around driving for work. You know, I'm sure there's a fair bit less driving for work these days, isn't it, what we've just covered in COVID-19. But it's a key consideration for everybody. You know, we have staff that go out on the work and we've, you know, partnered with our friends at Able Safety to do everything that we can do, put like breathalysers and uh, safety kits in there. But it is a concern of having staff out on the road. It's not necessarily them that could make a mistake. It's other people's mistakes that could harm them. And as I've said many times before on the, this podcast, everybody has a right to come home from work healthy and safe. So this campaign is a collaboration between the Association for Road Risk Management, which is ARRM, the UK Police, Driving for Better Business, and the government-backed Highways England programme. And it will commence its annual road trip on the 14th of September, running until the 18th of September. So in fact, as you're listening to this now, that will have been just last week. But due to COVID-19 restrictions, this physical road trip will be replaced with a virtual week-long event, speaking to road safety specialists across the UK from police forces and academics to employers who manage those who drive for work. Topics of discussion which will driver behaviour, driver distraction, blue light awareness, driving fatigue, mental health, drugs and alcohol, tyre safety and the business benefits to name but a few. So as I was touching on right at the start of this, this is a nice, easy, simple one to cover and we don't talk about it a whole lot here on the podcast. But as I said, driving is a key part of the job and as an employer myself, there is a number of responsibilities we have. Not We don't have fleet vehicles anymore, but we did in the past. And we were always quick to make sure they're properly maintained. But there are plenty of you listening are fleet managers and your job isn't just making sure the vehicles themselves are safe, but also that the people are best prepared to make sure that they are driving safely and they've got safeguards in place to you know, maybe protect them from themselves or certainly protect them from, from others. So this is a great campaign. It's well worth learning from the different seminars they've got on. So I'd urge you to have a look at the agenda they had and all the information, you just had to visit projectedward.org forward slash road trip. So now it's time to introduce our first guest for this episode of the podcast. And I was absolutely delighted to be joined by Jigna Patel, who's the Managing Director of Qualifications, Digital and Subscriptions at the British Safety Council. Really enjoyed my conversation with Jigna. She talked about all the great work the British Safety Council have been doing to help protect members 
from COVID-19 and, and the effects of COVID-19. And of course, one of the big things that came out recently from there was the British Safety Council urging the government not to rush people back into workplaces until it's safe to do so. And we covered that. And we also talked about a really, really exciting project that the British Safety Council are working on. I won't spoil it now, but I'll let Jigna herself tell you all about it. So I sat down with Jigna earlier today, and here's what she had to say. Morning, Gina. How are you? I'm very well, Mark. Thank you very much for inviting me to this podcast today. So I want to go straight into our first question. British Safety Council has been very active in supporting its members during the COVID-19 pandemic. Can you share with us what you've been doing to support the members during this difficult time? Absolutely. So the first thing to uh, note is, of course, we are an employer and we completely empathise with some of the challenges that our members as employers have faced, as well as their staff and their subcontractors and associates and all of their stakeholders and suppliers that they've been working with. We have all very much been in this together. Some of the key things that we have done to help our members and also the public at large is uh, make many of our resources available quite freely. So we've removed any gated content that we have had and we have made sure that we get some of our digital learning courses such as how to manage remote working, managing stress and how to increase and build on resilience for your staff and teams. We've had something like 10,000 people go through and complete those courses. So it gives you a really good idea as to the reach that we've been able to make through the incredible support that we always have from our members that will really have made a difference to individuals dealing with some of the real challenges that we have faced, not just over the last six months, but leading up to the time of lockdown and are still facing those challenges today and will continue to do so, certainly for the next few weeks and months. In addition to that, we have held increased number of sector interest groups. So we have had a number of organisations come together discussing specifics of challenges facing industries such as retail, such as healthcare and education. Those best practice exchanges, those uh, conversations, we have taken and we have shared those with the wider community and certainly with our members to help them translating those challenges into practical steps that are industry leading that will really help people with resources that are quick to use, sorry, easy to access, easy to understand. We've also launched uh, a COVID assurance service where we are providing both consultancy and also making sure that senior teams and leaders can be assured that what their teams have got in place is actually of a high standard and will ultimately protect their staff. Well, as you said, you've been very, very active and that's a phenomenal amount of engagement and we've covered it all the way. You've been very active and we've, as I said, covered this on the Health and Safety Matters website with giving out support to your members and the wider public as a whole. But you recently released a statement that encouraged the government to not rush people back into the workplace and to just take a more strategic and and slower, not one size fits all approach. Would you be able to share your thoughts on this with us, please? Yes, absolutely. The British Safety Council's approach is always to encourage employers and businesses to take a strategic approach to pretty much every aspect of of their uh, day-to-day running. Not rushing people back to work is just a very, very sensible statement. The very term rushing means that it's perhaps before we're ready for something to happen. 
not pressuring people back into the workplace. Every individual feels quite differently about things at the moment, their own health circumstances, their own family, their own children. Everybody's in a different place. And so making sure that we really understand the best ways of working for our business, the best ways of working for our people is really the key and and where we should start. At the British Safety Council, we have taken this opportunity to really understand the best way for our staff and our business to run. And actually, we're going to be making some longer term changes that will really benefit. Some great things have come out of uh, the time that unfortunately we have been in lockdown, such as the digitization of so many of our processes. Some of the things that have been real bugbears for people, jobs that haven't been particularly great in their design, we've actually been able to iron some of those things out. And that ushers in a really great opportunity now. And we're fortunate that we can run uh, as, a, as a flexible business. People can work remotely. But we also recognize very much that it's really important to have the human interaction, the, the face-to-face, the rapport building. That's really really, really important as well in a workplace. So going forwards, depending on how things pan out, we will absolutely be looking for new flexible ways of working that will both be remote and face-to-face and making use of the amazing digital resources that we have at the moment. But we will not be rushing into that. We're taking our time. We're consulting with staff. Worker consultation and participation is absolutely the cornerstone of making sure that we have good change and sustainable change. And we will not be rushing our staff and we will not be rushing ourselves. Yeah, over at my business, we, we actually brought people back to work at their own request just a few weeks ago. You know, we're immensely proud that our staff asked could they come back to the office during this because, like you said, human interaction is really important. And we did the risk assessments, we listened to the advice that you've given and the government have given, and, and we believe we've done the best job that we possibly can to bring people back safely. But well-being is what this is all about, people's health and well-being. And well-being is fast becoming one of the most important considerations for any organisation, particularly my own you know it's something that we have to take seriously the british safety council i know you've launched the being well together program which focuses on this issue would you be able to tell us a bit more about this initiative please we're immensely proud to be launching our new being well together program what we are doing is working with employers and employees to make sure that organizations take a strategic approach similar to what we were saying before, to creating a well-being program that actually is a part of the culture, the organization's culture, and is a sustainable and successful program. What do we mean by that? Many organizations, and this is not a criticism of any one organization, but many organizations who might even describe themselves as exemplar in the arena of health and well-being, tend to start with the interventions. So we've uh, spoken extensively as the British Safety Council on things like Free Fruit Friday. And our literary review recently also picked up that, yes, there are lots and lots of things that organisations are doing that we think will absolutely help our employees and their well-being. However, it's not necessarily a strategic approach that is grounded in making sure that the measuring and the monitoring is in place and that the gap analysis has been done to really understand What are the needs and wants of our employees? What do we really need to achieve as an organisation to augment the holistic health and well-being of any organisation? The programme takes CIPD's five key pillars of well-being and turns them into uh, sections that 
organisations can get help from through both resources that the British Safety Council will be providing to all of the supporters that sign up to the Being Well Together programme. And we take 10 key steps. So we handhold organisations through learning how to evaluate their current position. We provide evaluation tools to do that. We then have experts at each step that can help guide and support organisations in interpreting that data, telling them what best practice is, or sharing with them the experience that they've got from working within industry as well. No organisation needs to do this alone anymore. We take people through that journey after they've assessed their requirements into how they're evaluating their gaps, how they're creating a strategy and a plan that is both sustainable and successful. And they will know that it's successful because we will help them build in the measures that will tell them that they are. And then looking within their organisation to make sure that the commitments there, the leadership team are in the right place, that the coaching is in the right place. The majority of issues tend to be with managers not necessarily understanding the needs of their employees on an individual basis. So providing those tools and the training for managers to enable the organisation to really get the best out of their people uh, and make sure that they've got the best culture that they possibly can for the best output. We would provide a series of workshops. We've got uh, employee surveys that organisations can use to evaluate some of these things. Then we can also help the organisation implement and really embed some of these measures. How many of us uh, have either spoken with organisations or have worked at organisations that will have a whole host of employee benefits? Tick, tick, tick. Isn't it wonderful? Uh, And nobody uses them. A huge amount of money is spent on some of these interventions, tens of thousands in some cases. But actually, not all organisations will go back and look at, well, how many people used it? How effective was it? Has it really helped us? And renewals happen without actually that checking taking place. Also to make sure that we're benchmarking. Have we improved? How have we improved? Where are the new gaps? It's Plan, Do, Check, Act. And the British Safety Council has long advocated that good health and safety is good business. And now we're also saying that good well-being is good business. Health and safety, mental health, and all of those other aspects of well-being must come together, very often being driven by multidisciplinary teams within organisations. And again, the programme seeks to provide resources, webinars, podcasts, information and guidance on a continual basis to really help organisations at a critical time when well-being isn't a choice. It's absolutely a necessity. Well, we look forward to keeping an eye on the progress of that, what sounds like a really exciting programme. But Gina, if people want to find out more or want to get in touch with the British Safety Council, what's the easiest way to do that? The easiest way to do that is to contact us. Uh, go to our website, www.britsafe.org. We are very soon going to be launching a new website specifically focused on being well together. And we will be announcing those details further in the press. So please look out for that. Brilliant, Gina. Thanks for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. So returning to the news, you'll see quite a theme going through this episode of the podcast. It's, it's all about campaigns and really positive campaigns to try and keep people safe. And I don't think anything is more relevant than what I want to talk about now. So this is an IOX-backed campaign. So the story that we ran was create a positive work culture to prevent suicide. 
World Suicide Prevention Day took place on the 10th of September, and IOSH gave a timely reminder that organisations need to create a positive culture where people are able to talk openly about their thoughts. Worldwide, around 800,000 people die due to suicide every year, one person in every 40 seconds. It's the 15th leading cause of death globally, accounting for 1.4% of all deaths. The rates are higher amongst men than women, and more than 130 people are affected by each suicide death. Having a positive work culture will help organisations to intervene and signpost those in need to appropriate support before it's too late, says IOSH. IOSH's OSH content development manager, Judith McNulty-Green, said, to manage mental illness at work requires leadership, knowledge, understanding and commitment from everybody in the organisation. Good organisations will prepare proactively to be able to respond to a workplace suicide incident. Each suicide death can have profound impacts on other workers and it leads to further mental ill health. IOSH has a range of resources to help organisations build a positive culture at work where staff can talk openly about their thoughts and feelings. On the IOSH website, there is a working well guide which promotes health and well-being at work and an occupational health management in the workplace guide. There are research reports including return to work after common mental disorders and mental health first aid in the workplace, which is the mental downloadable guide. IOSH also has the Managing Occupational Health and Wellbeing course, which provides practical advice and tools for managers to help create a healthy and productive place of work. World Suicide Prevention Day is organised by the International Association for Suicide Prevention, which is IASP, and provides the opportunity for people across the globe to raise awareness about how to prevent suicide, or at least help try and prevent suicide. Please do have a look at the IASP's website, or use the hashtag World Suicide Prevention Day. Not really a lot more that I can add to that. You know, it, it, it's a scary statistic that 800,000 people die from suicide each year. And the stat there that 130 people per suicide are directly affected by that suicide. We've talked about mental health a lot on this podcast. And there are great charities like Mind that offer it, let alone on a personal level that you can go to as an individual like Samaritans as a helpline. There are great charities, great mental health charities out there. But there's a lot of huge organisations and SMEs making real efforts, real efforts to try and make mental health not a stigma. And I think that really is lifting now that people do feel that they can talk to others to if they've got issues. Not everyone feels that way. That would be silly for me to say that. But I do think that culturally it is changing but we're not there yet we need to do more and more and mental health and well-being in my opinion now is pretty much as high as the top of the agenda on the health and safety professionals um job as anything else and you know I fully support iosh backing this campaign and so i listed a great number of guides and training courses that iosh can offer you to help with this you know, if if you are running a business or an SME like I am uh, with my business partners, then we can all learn something from IOSH because if we don't, the issue then becomes you learn the hard way. You want to have a work culture where people feel happy in their job, they feel supported. And I'm not an expert, but, you know, I'm, I'm but a journalist and I can continue to develop my learning uh, for staff's needs and I'd encourage all of you guys to do so as well. So do take a look at the IOSH website. 
It's a really important campaign. And as you've heard me say many, many times, everybody has a right to come home from work safe. No one should have their mental health affected in a negative way from work. So I want to move on to the final news item, which is something that's very important to me personally. A few years back, I launched the Satan Health Excellence Awards, and I'm really, really proud of how it's grown and grown and grown and become the industry's leading networking event. You know, it's a long way from talking about it on back of a fag packet with my former MD, and little did I know that I'd end up becoming MD and buy this company and buy buy these awards. So the awards I started, but. When I suggested that we launch the Satan Health Excellence Awards, I felt passionately that the work you all do, the people that are listening to me now, you the readers, you the listeners, the job that you do needs to be recognised, deserves to be recognised. There are amazing health and safety professionals and fire safety professionals that are out there doing an amazing job keeping property and people safe. And you deserve to be recognised for your hard work of keeping us safe. And these awards are a way to do that. And I would honestly say the best part of my job, the part of my job I love the most is when we announce the shortlist and we see just how excited people are that they've made the list. A lot of them don't know they've been entered by their their colleagues. And it's lovely getting calls and emails about how much people enjoy and how proud they feel to have been shortlisted for the awards. Now, this year has been particularly difficult for all of us. We announced the shortlist for the 2020 awards back in February because we anticipated once again having an awards due at the Vox at the NEC in April this year. But I think you all know just why that didn't happen. So we had to reschedule it to November. Now, I'll be honest with you, it's obvious we can't safely run these awards in November. And we really want to give people their night. We're going to do everything that we can. So we have announced this week that we rescheduled the night where the gala dinner and the winners will be announced until Wednesday the 28th of April 2021. Still at the Vox, still with Alistair McGowan as the host. But the great thing is it will once again be co-located with a health and safety event, fire safety event, security event, facilities event, emergency services show and main tech. We're proud of our affiliation with those shows. It's a perfect chance for you to go and walk around those shows to get everything you need educationally and then come and have a great night with us. Even if you're not shortlisted, it's worth buying tickets because the great and the good are there. And it's a fun night, but it also it has a purpose, as I said. It recognises the essential role everyone does in keeping all of us and premises safe. So here's a promise I will make to all of you. Those awards will happen that day. We fully intend it to be a physical award where everyone's in the room, but we can't keep pushing this back. Our sponsors have been great, the ticket holders and shortlisted companies have been great, but it will happen on the 28th of April. We fully intend it to happen at the Vox, so please do buy your tickets. But if it becomes apparent, because if not through a fault of our own or the Voxes that we can't run again, we will run those awards virtually on those days. Because Let's be honest, a lot of you have already dropped me a line saying you want to enter next year's awards, the 2021 awards, and there will be a 2021 awards. For safety's sake and lack of confusion, we won't do a physical awards ceremony for next year's awards. Uh, we'll do that virtually for sure. And then hopefully 2022, we're back again to doing physical awards in that April. So for clarity, the 2020 
Safe and Health Excellence Awards Gala Dinner will take place and it'll be on the 28th of April at the Vox at Resorts World NEC in Birmingham. If it can't happen for COVID, we will put that virtually. Now, for any of you wanting to enter the 2021 awards, well, we will be opening entries at the back end of the year. You know, we had over 200 entries this year. It was a phenomenal amount of quality entries. We could only shortlist less than half of that. It was about 90-odd that we did across the 13 categories. Brilliant brands, brilliant individuals, brilliant projects, brilliant campaigns. That was really hardly fought. You know, the judges who are not us. You know, I sit as a judge on there, but I don't actually vote. I get, I'm there if I needed to vote. We actually do it to all industry associations come in and do it. You know, people like IOSH, people like British Safety Council and, and practitioners. And it was hardly fought. And I can't wait to announce who the winners are. It'll be a great night. I do deeply apologise to everyone that we've had to move this back. But safety first, obviously. And we'll only run this if it's safe to do so. And we are very optimistic we'll be able to do so in April. But we will, we will announce those winners on the 28th of April, 2021. So I thought that was worth sharing with everybody to clear up any confusion. And I really can't wait to uh, have a drink with all of you guys. And uh, it's always great fun talking to the winners and the entrants on the night. So yeah, please do come and join us on the 28th of April at the Vox. So our final guest on this episode of the HSM podcast is Jim Struthers. Jim is a global sales manager at Casella and I had a really great chat with Jim who really goes into detail about how his business has had to continue to evolve in the wake of COVID-19 and is taking real steps to help make sure people are safe with new social distancing guidelines and everything. And he talks about some really awful health conditions you can get unless people are protected properly from things such as silica dust. So I sat down with Jim and here's what he had to say. Good morning Jim, how are you? I'm very well Mark, yes, yourself? Yeah, all good, all good. I'm glad that we can get to sit down because obviously we work with Casella for a, for a long time and I'm very familiar with what your company does, but it's a good opportunity now to share with our listeners a bit more about what you do and what you've been up to. So I guess, Jim, my first question for you is, could you tell us a bit more about what products you've had out in recent months? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, yeah, so for the benefit of everybody, Casella is dedicated to uh, reducing occupational and environmental exposures um, through monitoring solutions. Uh, we've been going for the best part of 200 years, but since the 60s, we've dedicated ourselves to air sampling and noise monitoring uh, predominantly. And over the last year or so, we have we've launched new air sampling products in the guise of low flow sampling. So looking at exposures to gases, vapours and, and solvents in the workplace. Um, this is on the back of our success with the, the Apex 2, which is our mid flow air sampling product. And we continue to make iterations to our, our current product portfolio. Um, we're looking at things like app-based products as well. So for noise monitoring, then you can take the results directly from the unit onto an app instead of having to interact directly with a piece of the machinery. And can you share with us what's next in your product pipeline? So we're constantly looking at innovation. We we do product sales and innovation. We have to keep up with the marketplace and the, the needs of the customer. So it's so important to listen to what their needs are, what their unmet needs are. Um, and we've got a continuation of air sampling products coming through at the end of this year to support our, our low flow and our mid-range pumps. We're also looking at social distancing. So because of our products today and the way they do interact with apps 
And with COVID-19, then the social distancing aspect is so important because people still need to do their job. We still need to protect people in the workplace. So how can we do that safely? So we are looking at a a system uh, that not only is a a proximity system in terms of making sure that we are one to two metres away from each other, but also that it can trace what that person is doing throughout the day, uh, what the hotspots are, where they've been going. So from a health and safety perspective, we can look at some of the aspects of are they being exposed to too much dust or noise, but also are these high areas of movement from different people and therefore should we be focusing on maybe disinfecting that area a little bit heavier than we normally would to make sure that people are protected from obviously this rather horrible COVID-19 virus. So those are the questions that, that we would normally ask us to tell us a bit more what, what you've had out and and what you've got coming out because it's obviously interesting to our audience to know what the latest technology is but now's the time I want to ask you a bit more related questions to, to the wider sector as a whole and the environment that we find ourselves in. And we had a really good chat off air about this and I thought this would really be my first question. You've touched on it there with research or distancing. So you talked to me off air, as I said, about innovation and technology and how that's been key in helping to adhere to new social distancing guidelines. Would you be able to share with us how Casella has adapted to cope with social distancing and how what you do can help with others to cope with it? Yeah, I mean... It- we are in a strange new world. You know, Mother Nature does throw up now and again uh, some real big curveballs. And just when you think you've got it all sorted, then uh, she comes along and says otherwise. So I think key is being able to adapt. And it's also being able to adapt quickly. We constantly are looking over the horizon. So, so what are technologies that are coming through that can support the health and safety industry? So Casella, for the last few years, we've adapted our products to make sure that we can work more in a real-time situation because generally the safety market works in real time, um, you know, because something might kill you, so gas monitors, anything like that um, has to respond straight away. But in the health market, because it's latency effects on the body with noise and air sampling that might affect somebody 10, 20, 30 years down the line, then sometimes that need to do things in real time isn't given the same remit as it is with the safety side. So we're trying to change that and say, look, let's treat health like safety. So to do that, we need to get real-time responses. So by producing products that now can talk over low energy Bluetooth, you can get real-time results and therefore you can make informed decisions there and then. Whereas in the past, you'd have to take the product away, download it, send the, a filter to a lab, get a result five, 10 days later, and then realise you had a problem. But the problem is, in effect, has already passed and that person's already been exposed. So Casella has adapted itself to look at how do we bring technology in to further health and safety in the marketplace, start treating health like safety. And at the end of it, what we've done, obviously, is we, we are producing products now that allow us to monitor more people more of the time. And by doing this and by doing it in a safe way, people obviously can then take results, make informed decisions there and then, and not wait till after the event. So therefore, we're protecting people as they're doing their jobs and therefore given a healthier workforce and hopefully somebody will reach retirement age and live a prosperous life at retirement and, and, and not find that they've been overexposed throughout their working life and their retirement is cut very short. Well, you've done articles for us in the past 
in HSM on silica dust and on your website in fact you, you've got an article on there where you describe silica dust as the silent killer which brings back memories for me of the old HSE campaign of asbestos as the hidden killer. Can you tell us a bit more about what can be done to protect against the dangers of silica dust and, and what the impacts and, and the actual dangers themselves of silica dust are to workers? Absolutely yes and it, it is one of those and it's, it's classic I think you said the silent killer the invisible killer and again if you look at you know bringing it back to COVID-19, you know, that that you cannot see, you think can't harm you, but that's just couldn't be further from the truth. And when we look at things like silica dust, the, the, the known impact of silica for many, many years has been there, all the way through from mining um, to construction projects. But again, because you can't necessarily see it, because it has a latency effect, then it's always been a case of, well, maybe let's worry about it tomorrow. But the effects of tomorrow are happening now. People are dying prematurely. And the thing with respirable dust is that if you consider the hair, a hair from your head has a diameter size of around 70 to 100 microns. We're trying to measure something that has got uh, a micron size of four. So you could almost get 20 of these small particles across the diameter of one of your hairs on your head. So they are invisible. You can't see them. But if you are constantly being exposed to them on a daily basis, the buildup in the systems, in the arteries, through the blood supplies, down deep into the lungs, depending on what the substance is, can be horrendous. I mean, if you've ever seen someone who's got silicosis, anybody speak to someone who's got asbestosis, I mean, it is a horrible, deadly killer that can be prevented. And it can be prevented by having monitoring programs in place, by by going out and doing pre-inspections before you start to deconstruct an area. So some things can be really, really simply done, but there is things like monitoring that should be done. So when a person is going into an area that could have potential for cutting and grinding, for demolish, demolishing, make sure they're being monitored to understand what the impact is. Have they got the right ventilation in that area? Are the systems all operational that are working around them? These are all part of a seven-stage COSH assessment. So, um, you know, people, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. And if COVID has shown anything, it should say to people, look, we have to treat health the same as safety. We have to protect people today. And obviously, that's always been Casella's remit, is to make sure that we can monitor people safely, but with an outcome. And that outcome is to make sure they live a long and happy life and not get exposed in the workplace to deadly substances. Well, Jim, if people want to find out more information about Casella, what's the easiest way for them to do so and to be able to get in touch with you? So, yeah, we're all over the social media. We do have a LinkedIn page. We obviously have our website. So do visit us at casellasolutions.com or email us at info at Happy to talk to anybody. We're here to offer advice and guidance whenever we can. So if anybody's got questions on air sampling, noise, environmental monitoring, please do reach out. We'll be more than happy to help. Well, Jim, thank you. You gave us a great insight on a couple of key topics there. We really appreciate it. And thanks for joining us on the podcast this week. No worries. Thank you, Mark. All the best. Take care. And that's all we've got time on this edition of the Health and Safety Matters podcast. Really grateful for all of you that joined us and to our guests, Jim and Jigna. But if you want to find out all the latest information from the health and safety sector, you must visit our website, which is www.hsmsearch.com. Now you can go onto the webinar section there and you can get CPD points for listening to our webinars on demand. You can also see all the latest news, prosecutions and products and services in the sector. But if you want it all sent to your inbox, that can happen too. 
you sign up to our twice a weekly newsletter and we will send everything straight over to you on a Monday and a Wednesday. And of course, you can sign up to receive a free print copy or digital copy of Health and Safety Matters magazine that comes out six times a year. And that will also include access to the BSIF Annual Guide to UK Fire Safety and the upcoming PPE Insights Guide, which is certainly very timely. I'd encourage you all, please, to leave your hopefully positive feedback on our podcast platforms. However you're listening to this today, please do give us a five-star review and leave us some positive comments. Please do share this podcast availability with all your friends and industry colleagues. We'd really appreciate you helping to spread the word. My thanks also to the Health and Safety event for being the sponsors once again of this podcast. And as I said at the start, you can attend the Health and Safety event at the NEC in Birmingham on the 27th to 29th of April 2021. And if you want to register, attend for free. All you need to do is go to www.healthandsafetyevent.com. So that's all we've got time for this time. And we'll see you next time on the Health and Safety Matters podcast. (music) 